Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. What I want to do beginning in this episode and going for the next few episodes is take the imagery that we see in the first three chapters of Genesis, powerful word images, poetic, powerful in the pictures they paint of many things that relate not just to the realities of the human condition, but the realities of God and us, God interacting with us, God's power to create in us, God's power to bring us into his bigger story. And it begins with those first three verses of Genesis 1. I want to look at those again today just for a minute, just for a second, because I want to kick off then to go back to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Psalms. And in fact, it's the longest chapter, so to speak, in the entire Bible. Psalm 119 is kind of too long for the average American Christian, not because we're weak and shallow, but just because it just seems so repetitive. And it says a lot of the same things over and over and over. And that's kind of the point. That's the poetic point. The repetition of the liturgy is the point that this is stressing the truthfulness of the things that it's repeating. Another reason why it's so long is there's 22 Hebrew letters and it takes each Hebrew letter and has eight stanzas underneath that Hebrew letter that begin with that Hebrew letter. So when you look at Psalm 119 in the Hebrew, it actually looks pretty cool because you see this string of verses that start with the same letter under that letter. So Aleph, Beit, Gimel, and then you see eight verses under that. And I don't know, it just it looks pleasing to the eye to actually look at the Hebrew of Psalm 119. And I think that's part of it. I think that's part of the art of the writers of the Bible, that the experience wasn't just the auditory, let, you know, the way language is heard, because it's a lot of that. There's a lot of the way that the Hebrew is read. It has a lot of cadence to it that's that's pleasant to listen to poetic in its structure, kind of like we do with songs, but it also is pleasing to the eye. And again, that's part of the art. That's part of the beauty. That's part of the message of Psalm 119. But having said all that, when we translate it into English and put it in our English Bible, this longest chapter of the Bible does to the average person seem too long. And because we can't really see the art and we don't get to hear the cadence. Psalm 119 is a long meditation on God's word. To make it artful, to make it artistic, to make it poetic, it uses about eight synonyms for for God's word. And so the, the, the synonyms are sort of to keep it from being absolutely, utterly repetitive. You have to have synonyms to kind of say the same thing. We do the same thing with, with songs and poetry. But the words law, testimonies, ways, precepts, statutes, promises, commandments, rules, word, uh, just that's the, these are the synonyms for God's word. So whenever I come across, and some of these words, you know, resonate with American Christians better than others. When we come across words like rules 
or law that has a negative kind of feeling to us because we don't like to think of the Christian life as rules and law. And and for good reason, because it's it's not. But it's one of these things where when the Word of God is seen in its entirety, the, the idea of rules, laws, it's it just think in terms of instruction. Think in terms of this is God's instruction for us. I'm on the board with an organization here in Columbia called Love Columbia. One of the things that that ministry does is they have these life skills courses where people who are in poverty, people who haven't really experienced the flourishing of of life, often lack certain skills when it comes to just raising kids, personal hygiene, finances, and a lot of principles that relate to how to how to deal with finances and budgeting and how to prepare for a job interview, how to dress for a job interview, what's your mindset, what are some skills. We've created videos to help them. Uh, and of course, these are relational classes, and then they can watch videos as part of the classes. But it really is super helpful. I mean, that's one of the best things this organization does, because that kind of instruction is life-giving. Now, one person could see it as confining. Well, these are this instruction is kind of giving me rules. It's giving me laws, so to speak, that I don't want to live by. That's fine, but then you'll continue to live in poverty if you don't know how to budget, if you don't know how to think of money, if you don't know how to make a good impression in a job interview. Then those not wanting to abide by those rules is not going to help you. You're not going to flourish. If you abide by these rules, if you listen to this instruction, you're going to flourish. And, and they do. And it's as simple as that. And I think that's the attitude when we come to the God's word. It's not rules like hoops we're supposed to jump through. It's instruction of God. We live inside God's universe. So when the Bible's talking about wisdom versus foolishness, it's the idea of how to live in light of the realities of God's universe. There are things that we do inside God's universe that cause flourishing, and there are things that we do or don't do inside God's universe that bring destruction, that that cause unflourishing, so to speak. All of this to say, when we come across these verses that try to use the synonyms of God's word, God's law, God's rules, it just helps to think God's instruction, God's will, God's promise, God's word. And so I kind of substitute that mentally in my mind when I read those, just because, again, I'm an American like anybody else, and rules and laws don't set well with me, because sometimes they're misunderstood in the context of what the point is here. But I have found just really a powerful experience for me to take the word pictures of the first three chapters of Genesis and apply those pictures in a meditative kind of way, using my imagination and having a meditation on the picture that Genesis is drawing by its language and bringing that into the language of Psalm 119 when it's talking about the power of the Word of God. But really, it's talking about my need for the Word of God. These are liturgies that put words in my mouth. We've talked about the power of liturgy and speaking words that that narrate the truth in our lives and repetition having a power of rewiring our brain. That's what Psalm 119 really is all about. The repetition of the liturgy is helping us 
to rewire our brain, to transform our mind according to God's word. And when we, I, for me, I'm just, this podcast in a large part is me trying to share my experience with you. What's been powerful for me is to take the imagery of the first three chapters of Genesis, really powerful imagery, motivating imagery to me, very experiential imagery that makes me experience God, the reality of God in my life, and apply that to the liturgy of Psalm 119. That's what I want to do over these next few episodes. And I want to begin by looking, and we'll come back to this because this is such a powerful word picture, but Genesis 1, 1 through 3, actually 2 through 3. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now here we have in the very first three verses of the Bible, the, probably the most powerful picture of what the entire Bible is, the Spirit of God hovering over our formless, empty, dark lives, hovering over us and speaking. And that's what God's Word is. It's the Spirit of God speaking to us. And the very powerful image of it being light, let there be light, and there was light. Remember, Paul picks up on this in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, when he said, for the God who said, let, let light shine in darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This is an image that the New Testament itself picks up on. And it really is amazing when you look at the Bible and you see how verses that talk about what the Spirit of God does in our life, you can also find the verses in the Bible that say that the Word of God does that exact same thing. And I think one of those verses that I think of a lot, and I've said it in this podcast a lot because it's very powerful to me, at least, the imagery that Jesus says in John six sixty three, he says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. There we have it right there in one verse. Jesus is saying, the words I have spoken are spirit and they are life. The spirit gives life. This is what we see in the first chapters of Genesis. This is what Jesus is saying himself in John six sixty three. And again, we have all these verses in the Bible that talk about the power of God's word. I mean, just, you know, the, the verses that are just as obvious when Paul says in Ephesians six seventeen, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so here he's talking about the, the, the very sword of, the, he's using an imagery himself, right? He's talking about a soldier with all of his protective and offensive and defensive gear. And he's saying that the sword of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the word of God. When we want the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we have to have the word of God for the Holy Spirit to use in our lives. If we're not bringing the word of God into our lives, the Holy Spirit does not have what the Holy Spirit uses to change our lives, to bring life into our lives. The Spirit gives life, Jesus says. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, 5. He says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. 
is something that Jesus is saying very similar to what he says in John 6. He says that the Spirit gives birth in the sense that gives us new birth to enter the kingdom of God. And yet James, the half-brother of Jesus, says in James 1.18, he chose to give us birth through the word of God. Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter 1.23, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Let me actually do one more where Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. He prays in John 17, 17, talking about his disciples, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And then also we read in 2 Thessalonians 2, 13, Paul says, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the spirit and through belief in the truth. So the truth of God's word sanctifies us. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. It really is the same thing. We cannot really separate the Spirit of God working in our lives and the need for the Word of God to work in our lives. And we can go on and on. I've got a whole list here. I might try to put them in the show notes so that you can see them. It's really a powerful thing. But it comes back to these three verses, actually these two verses in Genesis uh, 1, 2, and 3. This idea that the Spirit of God is hovering over the darkness, the emptiness, the the lifelessness. And God's Spirit said, let there be light, and there was light. That's what the Word of God does in our life. That's the power of God's Word. And I think the power of bringing God's Word into our meditation, bringing God's Word into our liturgy, bringing God's Word repetitively spoken in our mouths. And so what I want to do is just for today, I want don't want this to get too long. I admit my episodes lately have been too long, so I'm going to try to go back to the more 20, 25-minute mark. I had one guy at church tell me that he needed to be 22 minutes. That's how long it takes him to get the work. So anyway, kind of joking, but not really. But the first two verses of this begin something that is uncomfortable about Psalm 119. Let me just read them, and you'll you'll see what I mean. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Now, right away, if you're like me, you read that and go, well, I guess that counts me out. I'm not blameless. I don't walk in the law of the Lord 100%. And I, I don't keep his testimonies with my whole heart. And it's one of these things where immediately I feel excluded from where Psalm 119 is going. And I think that that's probably something that most of us would feel if we're, if we're, if we're being honest. But I, the key to the Psalms is to remember what Jesus says in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, when he said all the things that were written in the Psalms were about him. And so ultimately, when we read these parts of the Psalms about somebody whose way is blameless, and that's who God accepts, that's the one who receives the promises of God, we have to understand that that's what Jesus is, that's who Jesus is for us. His way is blameless. He's the one who inherits the promises of God. And so we inherit the promises of God and the blessings of God in Jesus. He is our righteousness. He is the white robe, so to speak, 
dipped in his blood that we wear when we come into the kingdom of God. And so these verses are ultimately pointing, just like Jesus says in Luke 24, 44, these verses are pointing to Jesus and our need for Jesus. And that helps me then when I read these verses, instead of excluding myself and feeling overwhelmed, it makes me appreciate Jesus that he is my champion against Goliath, the Goliath of my own sin. And so now I can come to the promise of these verses, blessed are those, blessed are those, repeated twice. And that really is repeating what the ex- the very first words of the Psalms in Psalm 1, blessed is the one whose walk is not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Here's this water thing again, and tree thing again, and yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So the very first verses of the Psalms is the idea of this blessed is the one. He's like a stream. He's like a plant planted by the stream of God who's bearing fruit, who's flourishing. And so blessed are those who walk. And again, when we read in the law of the Lord, let's think of the word instruction, the word of the Lord. Blessed are those who walk in the word of the Lord and seek him with their whole heart. That is a truth And we get back to this idea of abundance, blessed, full of abundance, full of life, full of flourishing. Remember, every tree that was pleasing to the eye and good for food is what God caused to grow in Eden. His desire is abundance. His desire is our flourishing, our pleasure, physical pleasure and the pleasure of beauty and transcendence. And so the promise here is blessed are you when you walk in the instruction of the Lord. God's word is this moment of Genesis 1, 2, and 3 where the Spirit of God is hovering over you, hovering over your your lifelessness, your emptiness, your darkness. And he is speaking, and he is speaking light. And this light has the power to give life. God's word speaks life into our lives by instruction, by promise, by giving us truth that causes us to have the life of God in us, the spirit of God in us, working in us, speaking life in us. So what we're going to do in the next few episodes is pick up on the power of God's word according to Psalm 119. We're going to look at how these verses coincide with the first few chapters of Genesis. And I want to pray now, God, we thank you that your word is the speaking of your Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit hovers over us. Your Holy Spirit gives life, speaks life. The words that you have spoken to us are spirit and they are life. And your will for me is to give life. Your will for me is to speak life into my life of darkness and emptiness. You want to speak life that brings me back to life in the flourishing abundance of your kingdom and that my heart would flourish in the abundance of your will for me, the abundance of your desire to give life to me, not darkness, but light, not emptiness, but fulfillment and joy. 
And so I turn to you, I look to you, I look to your Holy Spirit to speak life into me. And that's why I look to your word as the, as the speaking of your spirit, the power of your Holy Spirit in my life. The presence of your life-giving spirit is in my hands, is in my heart, is in my mind when I'm reading your word. And I pray that you would, as it says in the very next verse in Luke 24, after Jesus said all the things that were written in the Psalms were about him, it says in verse 45, then he opened their mind to understand the scriptures. And I pray that you would open my mind to understand your word. I want to be blessed by your Holy Spirit. And that comes from your instruction. It comes from your promises. It comes from the truth of your word. I want to be the blessed one whose life is like a tree planted by the stream of water, the stream of your Holy Spirit, the water of life that comes from your presence. I want to be tapped into the Holy Spirit, this power of God that created the universe. The power that creates life itself comes in your word, comes through your word into my life. And I want to live a life of blessedness. I want to live a life of fullness, of abundance. The abundant life Jesus said he came to give me. The abundant joy Jesus says is the reason why he came to give me. So I look to your word as the voice of your Holy Spirit. I submit to your word like I submit to life itself, the power of the I am to give life to me because outside of you is death. Outside of you is nothingness because you are the source of all exists. You are the source of all life and outside of you is death and outside of you is nothingness. Your spirit gives life. Let there be light and there was light. I pray that you would speak light into my life, that you would speak life into my life. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is God-breathed. This word, breathed by God, comes back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. The Spirit of God, the breath of God, same word in Hebrew, same word in Greek. The breath of God breathes life, speaks life into my life. And so I pray that you would breathe life into me by your Holy Spirit. Speak life into me and replace the darkness more and more with your light. Replace the emptiness and the lifelessness of my heart and my life more and more with your life because you are the source of life and you are the source of light. So I lift my eyes and I look to you and I call upon you to pour out your spirit upon me and open my mind and my heart to your truth. Psalm 119 verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Open my eyes, God, that I would behold wondrous things out of your word, that you would open my eyes, that you would give me sight. Verse 34, Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Give me understanding, Lord, that I would keep your word, that I would follow your word, with my whole heart. Verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. 
I pray that you would incline my heart by your Holy Spirit to your word rather than the stupidity of living for myself, the dead end of living for myself and selfish gain being this false promise. It's a lie that if I have selfish gain, that that's abundance. But that really is scarcity. It's thorns and thistles and ultimately dust and death. So incline my heart to your word. Your word gives life. Open my eyes that I would behold wondrous things from your word. And I walk today looking to your Holy Spirit and trusting that your word is true, trusting that your promises give life and that your light replaces the darkness when I bring your word into my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.